five, four, three, two, one. Playback, please. Press bar mark visual playback. Appropriate replies. Watching. 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 Hey there, guys. It's uh, Darren. I'm actually uh, over here talking to Alex. Alex is the main voice and or uh, lack of reason or what have you behind Curiosity Incorporated. How you doing? Good. So uh, he very kindly grants my request to, to do an interview kind of um, last minute. He's been super, super busy, as you've probably seen. Um, if you've been checking out his channel, which you really, really should. He's got some awesome stuff up there. And I actually ran into... Um, ran into his channel just doing some quick research and the uh, specifically the uh, uh, the hoarder house, which I understand is now become the, the Potter's, Potter's house. house now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, what I had already mentioned to Alex just before I started here is I'm I'm going to take a slightly different uh, look at things from the point of of my podcast, which is to say what kind of a Technology comes through the store because um, I, I know that it's probably not one of the things that you really normally associate with an antique dealer. But that's Alex's um, how Alex start, got started in uh, the, his collections. Basically, I guess you could say was you know professionally, it's a way to go and rationalize it to the wife. And I know what that's all about. And uh, you know, seeing the technology as it's evolved from let's say the the camera that's directly behind him there to to holding an iPhone and uh, doing a, a a video inside a house. I just thought I'd just go and ask him how has the technology that you've seen go through the store kind of changed the stuff that you've been using? Well, I mean, almost anything we carry in the store can represent technology, whether it's even you know a hand carved tool or a camera or what have you. So. Uh, we do carry technology to some degree in the shop. It's just not always the most current or recent. Now, for me, doing the videos and, and doing what we do on YouTube, absolutely, we we keep it very simple and we use very modern technology, um, whether it's you know external microphones or you know uh, gimbals or whatever we have to do for for making the shot. But uh, it certainly is a far cry from some of the things that we've had before. You know, behind me I have an Ariflex 16mm. You know, that wasn't the most portable or conducive to uh, getting anything done quickly and easily. And nowadays, like you said, you can use your cell phone and shoot a video and have it edited together, even on your phone if you wanted to, within minutes. So it's changed quite a bit. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, looking through the store as well, and it's just... It's spectacular the amount of stuff that uh, you actually have here. It's uh, spent a little bit last week here uh, and didn't realize exactly how busy the store was or gets. But uh, he's, you know, you've got all kinds of stuff here. And I was sitting here thinking, as I was going through, 
you know, the cameras are one thing. You've got old uh, vacuum tube radios, and you've got these days, most of the people will be listening to the interview uh, either by watching on a video through YouTube or by listening to it through podcast on the phone. And, you know, the tube radios as well. It's just it's spectacular how technology has changed. So <clears throat> if you were to... Like I, one of the, the projects I know you're working on with the Potter's House, which I also noticed just coming into the entrance here, you have there's a store called Potter's House too, and I was just kind of curious. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I was curious, how do you see the uh, like the the technology you're going to put into the Potter's House uh, in the kitchen, as an example? Is that modern technology, or is it restored, or it's both? I would say we we are renovating this hundred year old what used to be a farmhouse, big farmhouse, almost 3,000 square feet. It had been renovated around 1956 or 7 with what would have been high-tech at that time. Uh, never had a, a dishwasher built in, you know, other than your own two hands. So what we're doing is we're actually building a kitchen that is very similar to the one which we found in the basement, uh, which would have been the original kitchen to the house. So we're replicating some of the original cabin cabinetry which would have been in the home 100 years ago but with modern elements. So I'm reusing the original gas stove that was in the home, except new lines and shut-off valves, etc. But we are going to have a built-in dishwasher, you know, so some modern twists and elements mixed in there. Um, the other thing that we're doing is we are uh, leveling <laughs> everything in terms of making sure it's level, not tearing it out. Uh, the previous kitchen had sloped and slanted a little bit, so we are you know, using all of our tools at our disposal to make sure that it is a usable, functioning kitchen. Uh, but like something like the kitchen sink, we are actually using one that we dug out of the ground, about a 110-year-old sink that we found in the yard, which is surprising to me because that means that when that renovation was done in 1956 or 7, they tossed the old sink out in the yard, and it sat there for, what, 60 years, and it's still in perfect condition. A testament to the old technology and the old building styles that they had, uh, that something like that can last that long, that it could last 100 years and still be a functioning sink is just baffling. Mind you, it weighs 200 pounds, so <laughs> you know it's not the easiest thing to move around. So it's uh, it would have been what a uh, porcelain cast over top for like a iron. Or? Yeah, it's probably like a, a cast iron with porcelain enamel on top, baked on top, and it's in perfect condition. Just just a little dirty, you know, after being yeah. buried in the ground for however long. So I have to clean it up, but it's uh, it's going back in the kitchen as our new sink. That's actually kind of funny because. You know, the the renovation you're doing for some people they wouldn't exactly get it because everybody is really quite the modernist. Mm -hmm. But there's like so much value in actually re revisiting past technologies. I believe like uh, and um, I'm a big fan of of antiques and big fan of actually using. Well, if you could actually see my really put together setup here, I'm actually using a a nine year old uh, tablet to record audio, but. Um, I think there's a lot of value in the past, and it's it's actually something I'm disappointed about with the uh, with some communities is the fact that they seem to not only forget it but just happily push it away and into the past and just leave it there. So uh, the city that we're in right now had a municipal airport that was one of the major hubs for North America during the Second World War, and there's still the Air Museum, which is one of the old hangars there, but the city is turning that old airport into municipal housing and I think they're trying to push the air museum out the last time I heard too so it's just not only forgetting it but 
um, just it's becomes less of a thing of the past and more of a ghost. And it's one of the things that's always bothered me about um, modern society. But that's just a reflection. Um, other than that, so what made you do the jump from just running the store? Because I know that you were doing a career before the store. Mm-hmm. And then you got into the store. And then you got into YouTube. So how did you make the, the jump from the store to YouTube? <coughs> from running this store to YouTube? Um, I don't know, probably uh, a lack of funds, a uh, a moment of desperation of wanting to let people know that we had a store that existed, and having no money to actually pay for advertising. So um, I was sitting here on what was a very quiet day, and I thought, well, I'm either going to sit here and do nothing, or I'm going to try and put something out to the world and advertise. So I thought, I'm going to put out a YouTube video and talk about some of the antiques and some of the things that we've picked up, and those early videos are... Not the best, but I left them on there to kind of show how they've developed over time, you know, where I'm doing just a product walkthrough of a particular item. And now it's turned into basically its own entity, its own television series, if you will, on YouTube. And, um, yeah, I mean, we went from having very few subscribers in the first seven months to now 200,000 a year and a half later. And that's that's phenomenal. That's one of the things that uh, the broadcast yourself, which I was going through with Brian Rose and London Real. Uh, he's actually the one that got me started on this podcast, and he spent seven years developing his podcast. And at the first three years, he said he just spun his wheels doing nothing, and now he's he literally is renting an entire floor in London, <coughs> England, um, and is running a multi-million dollar business as a result of the podcast. So. Yeah, isn't that funny how things can just change? And for us, it's really just started to take off in the last, I'd say, six, seven months. Um, so this is all very new for us and we're, we're trying to figure out how to balance family time with work time and it's been certainly busy because I still have a business to run on top of doing that which is, you know, become a full-time job in itself. Yeah, and uh, the, the channel is so successful as well that he's just literally, I think, got in the mail, what was it, yesterday? Your silver YouTube button. I did, yeah. So you earn your silver YouTube button when you hit 100,000 and... Um, in the time it took them to mail the 100,000 button, we've gained another 100,000 since then. <laughs> um, so it's fantastic. But you don't get another award until you hit a million. So I've got a ways to go before I get there. Cool. <coughs> so I think, let's see, was just seeing if there was anything else. Um, oh, yeah, there was one. Now, one of the things that, that uh, got me actually out of my initial rut, I guess you could say, as a kid, was I was talking to a science teacher, and he actually told me about uh, tidal locking for the, the moon to the earth. And one of the things that I had thought about as a kid was, I always saw the same face on the moon, and I, ne- I never knew why, but having somebody come to me and tell me, okay, the moon is done in this fashion because it rotates just fast enough that it keeps its, its face always constantly pointed towards us, gave me this little kick to go and say, wait a minute, there's something that I've read, and that set me down the path to learning more about the world and and science and such. And that's a, kind of a watershed moment. So what kind of watershed moment set you on your path, do you think? Hmm. Well, I had a different journey than probably most kids would have. And I had a fascination with older items at a very young age, and collected and bought and sold antique toys. For me, it was in part because I enjoyed them, but also it was an extra income 
for my family. So at the age of 9 or 10, I would buy and sell things to uh, help them along their way and help to pay my parents' rent to get groceries on the table. So at first, it started off as a survival mechanism. Uh, and then you have to fine-tune your skills so you know exactly what to buy and what has potential value. Um, and I stuck with the antique side of it as I developed and became educated and went to school and, and got jobs. And uh, now it's just turned into a full-time career. And uh, it's something that I've loved and enjoyed for many years. Well, I'm just trying to see whether or not you've got a customer. I think we do. Someone's on their way in. Cool. Okay, well, I'll wrap it up because I don't want to interfere with your business at all. But uh, really appreciate it, Alex. Oh, of course, yeah. And very nice to chat with you, too. Yeah. Thank you.